I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll tell you what I think. What's that you're saying? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. Shh. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Shut Up and Listen with me, Heather Matarazzo. Um, today we have an awesome fucking guest who I just love and adore and have adored for years from afar. And now she gets to sit with me on my couch, Laura Silverman. (laughs) Wow. Welcome. Hi. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I did not know you adored me for years and years. Oh my God. Of course. (gasps) Wow. Of course I have. That's amazing. Uh, it's the feeling is mutual. Likewise, years and years Thank of you. adoration. Thank oh you. Oh my God. Yeah. I appreciate that. Of course. How the fuck are you? I'm good. I'm really well. Yeah, I'm no, I mean, <laughs> this is, this is I, a show of honesty. Yeah. I mean, it's how to answer that question. Um, it's like, there's, several people I think in all of us now there's like the person you are the artist you are the person that's like living with what's happening in the country now and then the person that's sort of grappling with the idea that you know a lot of a lot of this isn't new and I think that's been like the toughest thing for me actually is like you know realizing that you know the level of racism and um xenophobia and bigotry that we're seeing like is not very shocking to the people that are the targets of it and I've been going through a period of like a lot of guilt about that like you know kind of feeling like oh you know we elected Barack Obama twice and we're like on this different track you know like things are really different and um to see that people really aren't that surprised it hurts a lot it makes me feel really bad it makes me feel like I've like not paid close enough attention and um I've honestly been struggling with like guilt and it's not you know it's something that I need to deal with because it's making me not effective as effective in like help you know being like helping out as I feel like I should be you know guilt is not really like a at least for me it's not it doesn't put me in a place of being very productive (laughs) It, it kind of like you know, the guilt and shame, they kind of shrink you back. And, uh, you know, that's not going to help anybody. So, yeah, I've been kind of struggling with that lately. 
But at the same time, you know, I, um, yeah, like I love, I, I love what I've been doing lately and I have a boyfriend that I love very much and I love my friends and I love my family. So, um, I, I, I feel a lot of like, you know, when I walk around LA every day, I live in a very, very diverse neighborhood and I see all kinds of people every day and I make connections with those people every day you know smile say hi like stop you know talk give somebody directions or just like I don't think people realize how much a lot of people just really interact with all kinds of people every day you know I don't know what they mean by like the bubble but I I like the bubble that I live in like I don't know. I I see, I just I don't know where I'm going with this, Heather. <laughs> but I I just it's been very confusing for me. It's been very confusing. I feel very affected by like the just outright unabashed racism. Uh, I. I feel like, um, I don't know, like I look around and I'm like, I don't know who's who or, you know, (sighs) I'm grappling with it. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out like, how do I process it all and be of the most help and also like take care of myself because I really do think that that's important because you don't really... You aren't really much used to the world if you aren't, like, taking care of yourself. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no. That's a very complicated, long answer to how are you doing? No, I mean, but it, but here's the thing that I love. You know, A, normally when I interact with people yeah. and I'm like, how are you? And the automatic response is good. Yeah. And I take a moment (laughs) and I stop and I look and I say, how are you? (laughs) Like, how are you? And one of two things happens. They either look at me like I'm a fucking crazy person (laughs) and they're like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you staring into me? Or they consciously or unconsciously see it as an opportunity to be honest and authentic and real. Right. You know, I think that it's, I think it's impossible to not be affected by what's going on. I, I feel that there are, Walking Dead is a TV show, but it's also the state of so many people, period. Yeah. Where it's. I don't actually want to deal with these feelings. I don't want to deal with the pain. So I'm going to do everything and anything that I can do to numb it. Whether it is checking your phone every two seconds, whether it is watching TV, whether it's eating, whether it's fucking, whether it's drinking, whether it's smoking weed, like, and all of those things are great. (laughs) I love all of those things, especially (laughs) fucking. However, (laughs) you know, when when someone uses those things to 
get out of themselves to disconnect. Right. Absolutely. You know, um, and with that too, you know, I, I remember the morning after the election, I cried, I sobbed. Yeah. I sobbed because I had the, I had the same feeling of, you know, Obama was elected twice. There's no way in hell. And he'd be elected to a third term. And yeah. And there's no way in hell that Hillary Clinton is not going to win. Like there's no way in hell. And I don't, I don't agree with all of Obama's policies. I didn't agree with, you know, all of Hillary's policies, you know, um, and I was a Bernie supporter in the beginning, you know, but, but even then for me, I'm always looking for the truth, right? But this is what I found the morning after the election. I remember I cried and I, I woke up to a, my own privilege and my own ignorance And I called some friends of mine who are women of color. And I said, I'm, I'm not coming to you with like the tears of white guilt that I'm going to ask you to dab from my (laughs) eyes. That's, that's not what I'm doing, but I'm calling to ask for your forgiveness for not knowing. I thought I knew. Yeah. And I don't, I, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. And with that, you know, all of the, I've talked with other guests, you know, about white privilege and that idea of, you can think you, you understand. Right. Um, and, and with that, you know, um, unless you're having the actual experience the best that you can do is have empathy and understanding. Right. Um, well, I mean, I think I've like started to come to think of the conclusion that like, you know, here are things that you can do. You can amplify the voices of the people that do know mm-hmm. um, as much as possible. And be open you to can find those people, find the people that really seem to like be, you know, really keyed in and, um, yeah, there's so many of them. That's kind of been what I've been focusing on is like finding those people like, you know, on Twitter or online and really just trying to, you know, Instead of, like, reading and learning from them and then reiterating, you got to, like, amplify their voices. Um, you know, there's a real problem. I'm not a... I never very, really, very, really... I'm going to stick with that. I never very, really was, <laughs> like, a political person. Like, I didn't like to argue politics. I still don't. You know, if I go out or whatever, I'm like my boyfriend I'm like nobody better bring up Trump because it, it, I'm so flooded with it constantly day all day long like I have to yank myself away and I don't want to argue with people there's really nothing to argue about like 
I don't want to talk about it with people that agree with me when I'm trying to go out and get away from it. But um, what was I talking about? I wasn't really very political. You know, I was somewhat informed. I cared. I cared about, you know, social causes and things um, my whole life. My parents were very active, um, super, like, lefty liberal Democrats and new Jews in, New Ham- in rural New Hampshire, <laughs> you know, like, what's that? Like, yeah. it's, you know, not as weird as you think. Yeah. Felt normal to me. <laughs> weird looking back on it. Um, but now it's like, sometimes I catch myself, like, uh, you know, like, just knowing like who everybody is in the entire government and like i i didn't i didn't really know like all this stuff in past administrations like i i really didn't like there i'm so it it's a blessing and a curse i guess to just like know so much about what's going on um but uh I had a point. Hmm, damn it. Uh You're going to edit this, right? I'm not going to edit it. This damn is it. But no, but here's here's the beautiful thing, right? Like <laughs> everything everything always circles back around. Like it always circles back around. Yeah. You know, um yeah. And it's okay. Oh yeah, I know where I was going. There say. we go. Um, that, you know, there, since, since election day, everybody's been like kind of in this hysterical state of like, what do we need to do? And what do we do wrong? First of all, you know, like and Hillary ran a terrible campaign. She didn't run a terrible campaign. She's, there's always going to be flaws. Nobody's perfect. Nothing is perfect. It's not an exact science. If it was an exact science, people would complain that it's an exact science, mm-hmm. you know? This is Donald Trump was so outrageously disgusting of a human being that I mean, to me, every time he did something really outrageous and disgusting, I would be like hoping that the that the Clinton campaign would ignore it and just push forward and talk about her platform because she had platform out the ass i mean she had published a book full of her you know like all of her like platforms and ideas on every issue her website was chock full of it nobody ever looked at it nobody ever talked about it people literally just said like well she has nothing really she has nothing go look it's there you know like it, it it was so crazy what happened it is so crazy what happened and I can see how it the campaign got sidetracked into like, look at this outrageous person. Like, we aren't we are not a country that's gonna have a person like this be president, are mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, I do feel that was a mistake because we are a country who will have a person like that be president because yeah. people voted for a man who very obviously sexually assaulted at least 13 women who Cosby doesn't who sorry what he said Cosby doesn't 
Yes, a Cosby dozen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Um, you know, who who and and whose stories line up with his own f- fucking words. Who lies all the time. Who is a just a blatant narcissist. I mean, this is not this is just going to be boring for people to hear who are going to listen to this because they know all that. But it was like, yeah, it's easy to see what the mistakes were. The mistake here are the mistakes we knew about voters' rights being uh, infringed upon. We knew we knew about voter suppression happening. Mm-hmm. We knew that mm-hmm. that um, that the GOP in in certain select states were yeah. acting to suppress. Uh, democratic votes like black voters that were mm-hmm. going to vote Democrat. They were actively doing it. They were, they were called out on it. They were the, you know, like high courts said with surgical precision, they created laws to prevent basically to prevent a lot of black people from voting who were yeah. likely to vote Democrat. Yes. And they refused to, uh, they refused to comply with the judge with the court's orders. Yeah. We we should have been focused from day one of from before like this whole race for the presidency ever started. We should have been focused on voters' rights and making sure that people were able to get to the polls and vote because you're. All those people that voted for Trump, like, that are super racist, and they are. Yeah. You're not going to win them over with anything you talk about. She would have won if more people had voted. Yeah, but, you know, here's here's the thing, right? She did win the popular vote. Yeah. The Electoral College, which is, you know, um, implemented as a racist tool you know, for ever ago, but with that, but with that too, and, and here's the thing, I'm not a Pollyanna, you know, I'm not like, oh my God, or like butterflies and like crumbs and like (laughs) blah, blah, blah. I'm not. However, I will say this and you do have very pretty hair though. Thanks. Side note. Thank you. Side note. Sorry Um, to... (laughs) It's just, you know, when a woman is talking politics, you got to soften it up with yeah, like a little pretty hair talk. That's very true. <laughs> um, I'll talk pilo- politics with a smile. <laughs> um, but, it, it, you know, I, I look at it this way. This country was founded upon the brutal enslavement of an entire nations of people and the brutal genocide of another people so sorry I was just taking my headphones off they're so annoying and (laughs) trapped in my hair um so what it is I feel right now is that there's a reckoning that's occurring so like we talked about in the beginning in regards to you feeling guilt and feeling sad and whatnot if Hillary had won, things things 
would have continued that's in ex- that. Well, that's exactly like my point. Like that's like I feel like that was one of my first, you know, things that I kind of came to was if she had won, I, w- I would have been, first of all, I would have been like, I wouldn't have wanted anybody to criticize the first female president. So I would have ignored shit that was going wrong even harder. And that fucks with my head. That's real. That's like so real that that's just the truth. So like, am I glad Trump won? No. Is any of this good? No. But Every single bad thing in the world that happens, like, pretty much, not every single bad thing that happens, but, you know, when bad shit happens, let's face it, like, I'm fine, my life is going on, so it's not like, oh, every bad thing that happens, like, am I, like, being held prisoner of war and being starved and beaten and tortured? No, I'm not. So, you know, from this horrible thing that's happened, uh, am I definitely, am I, like, finding things to take from it yeah absolutely yeah you have to yeah how how do you not like there i i'm not glad it happened but i uh yeah i mean it's absolutely definitely not lost on me that if she had won i would have defended her i would not have wanted you know people to I would have overlooked a lot of things. I would have. I would have continued the same way I did with Obama, where I just didn't pay close enough attention to shit that was going wrong. If it was, you know, um, unless it was just like Republican lawmakers doing it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it wakes you up. It really wakes you up super hard. And that's a beautiful, and to me, I feel like that's a beautiful thing because what it has enabled me to do is to be able to connect with others in a much deeper way. It has enabled me to wake me up to not only my own privilege, but the ignorance that I had had for so long regarding my privilege. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you know, I'm telling you like the connection that I now feel with others, it's probably one of the biggest gifts I've ever been given in this regard. That's true. Yeah. There is like a, a greater level of connection. Yeah, where it's, you know, there you can't experience one without experiencing the other, right? Yeah. It's like you can't experience hot without experiencing cold. You need to have the experience of both of those to yeah. then get to make a choice, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I feel like with with social media and, you know, the fucking technological advances that we've made where we are so plugged in in one way we are so unplugged in the ways that are truly truly important which is getting to plug in with each other yeah and getting getting to connect in that way so you know the 
the shit of life is what actually is like the fertilizer for like <laughs> the greatest growth. Yeah. Right. So, um, and, and that doesn't mean that I am not angry and that Absolutely. doesn't mean that I am not sad. However, it fuels, it fueled this, it fueled shut up and listen. Yeah. You know, and us getting together and us getting together <laughs> in regards to getting to really create change, because I do believe that if it affects one, it affects all. Yeah. So even though you might not be directly affected by. Well, and, s- and, and also, you know, not to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. But, you know, there's been another aspect to this as well, which is that. You know, like I said, I grew up in New rural, rural New Hampshire. Such a hard word to say. Rural. Rural. I think that that we should have it changed. <laughs> it's called the White House. <laughs> <laughs> They're not doing much of anything useful these days. <laughs> Maybe they'll do that. Change that. Um. Yeah, rural rural New Hampshire only Jewish family. Um super liberal democrats involved in theater you know like grew up you know in theater so like around gay people gay gay people completely normal to Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. from you know my whole entire life um just always um you know took trips always to Boston, to New York every year to see shows, to travel, to ride the subway, you know, like exposed to, you know, people who look different. You know, I was fascinated. I I was, I, I, I don't know why I like this story. I don't know what this story means or how people will interpret it, but like, Uh, and I don't even know if it's a story to tell, but I remember being really little and I was always fascinated by just, I was people who were different and I don't understand the lack of fascination. I don't understand the wanting to be around people that are like you or, um, you, I never imagined none of my, my sisters and I, nor my parents ever imagined that we would grow up and still live in New Hampshire. It just wasn't something that you thought was something that anybody did, which is weird to think about yeah. because I guess that's not the case for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's not a criticism, yeah. you know, it, it's just the way it was like you, it was like you grow up and then you move to the city, Yes, you know, yes. like that was yes. the way. And, um, you know, we, we used to watch Zoom. Did you have Zoom? No. Oh, it was like a PBS show. Um, and it was just, you know, it was in Boston. And there were just like black kids and Asian kids and boys and girls. And they sang and they did little bits and skits. And, and um, oh, we loved it so much. We used to play at Zoom. And for some reason, I always was picked Leon. I always wanted to be Leon, who was like this black kid. Leon. And a boy, because I was a tomboy. I just... I don't, I, I, I don't know if it's parenting or what, but I don't understand the, the lack of fascination by like all the different cultures and kinds. So I remember riding a New York city bus 
at, you know, maybe five or six years old and there was um, a guy with an afro sitting in front of me. I just wanted to know what it felt like so badly. And I just reached my little tiny hand and I just gently, 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 ever so gently just touched it. Mm. And I just, he didn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that there's, I mean, it was just curiosity. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. It makes me, it makes me think and feel many different things. A, it makes me that... Because the biggest thing that I have learned this past year for me is about firmly setting fucking boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like Durga, like boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and that idea of, you know, um, like I just had an experience the other night. This will all have a point. <laughs> had the experience the other you. night of being with my girlfriend and we were out to dinner and we were sitting at the bar and um, this dude came over, not once but twice. And the second time he came over, he proceeded to stick his hand in between us in order to get a French fry from our plate. What? Yeah. He was no. like, do you mind? And I was like, yes, yes. I mind. <laughs> Oh my god, like, I would dude boundaries. Ooh. No, and he had picked up the fry and I literally took it from his hand. <laughs> <laughs> you took it? Out yeah, of, like no. Like you wanted it back or you like, just didn't no. want him to have it. Well, because here's here's the thing, right? As Yeah, go for it. Um always makes me think of Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> I need my, my my dolls, Neely O'Hara. Um, <laughs> um, you know, because there would have been a time that something like that would have happened. And I would have easily acquiesced. Right, right. And you been just like, like giggle, yeah, like, sure, <laughs> whatever. Ba, 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 ba. And again, I am not a person of color. Right. I'm not. I am a woman. Um, and so that I'm, I'm very, very, very sensitive to people's boundaries. Right. And, and, and sometimes to like my own detriment because I'm so terrified of crossing someone else's boundary that it keeps me from getting to be completely open and receptive and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. Like, I mean, I've. I've actually uh, become, like, very unshy. I I grew up very painfully shy. And, you know, like, to the point where, like, if I wasn't sure if somebody's name, I would never, like, just venture or ask them. You know, like, I was just, like, had crippling shyness most of my life. Yeah. So to think that I did do that. Yeah. And and with that though there's that and and the difference being is you were 5 or 6. Yeah, I was a little kid. You know, and no no thoughts about it and just desiring. 
Yeah, um, w- yeah, but I, there was a lot of thought about it. I was just, I was like, I didn't, I was, I, I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't want to, you know, offend him. But yeah. I was, I, you know, I wasn't a kind of kid that would say like, "Excuse me, Mister," but you know, yeah. like I was really shy, really quiet. But yeah. like, I also think had like a strong will. I'd had like a tremendous curiosity and. That was one of the, you know, like, just such a fast... I remember, like, asking my mother to teach me another language when I was, like, around... that, Right when I learned to read. And she started teaching me French and Spanish. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh... But I just... I don't even know what to make of that story. I don't think it's a very unusual thing for a child to do. Yeah. But... Just the fact that it's one of those moments how you know you have those moments that just never, they're so crystal clear. Yeah. Just that I had the courage to do it because I just, it was something that, you know, I saw people on TV and I saw people and I didn't have, but there were no black people in rural New Hampshire. Yeah. I just wanted to know what it felt. In the same way that I would touch boys I would want to touch boys' crew cuts, yeah. you know. I wanted yeah. to know what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, for it sure. just the... Uh, for sure. And with that, and with that too, you know, because just so many... I think that Chris Rock... Is it Chris Rock that has a bit about touching a black person's hair? Um, you I know, know, I think that maybe he does, but that I, I'm grateful... I'm personally grateful that I have been, because I've been afforded the privilege of working since I was seven Mm -hmm. um, and getting to be around an incredible amount of, you know, inclusivity in one way or another, um, that... getting to see that like my desire to know something Mm -hmm. does not trump somebody else's um like my desire doesn't trump anything else oh for sure and because it makes me think of god like the fucking countless things that i've seen especially with um i have this one image in my mind of of something that i had seen of like a white woman just going to touch a black woman's hair. Oh God. Where it's where again it, it comes from that point of fascination of oh I just wanna I just wanna see what it feels like. But right. but with that too that individual, that woman of color but you're like a for a moment, moment but that woman that that woman of color for a moment and maybe even longer for a moment that a moment most likely is not looked upon as a human being is looked upon as the, the intention behind it is, Oh, I want to satiate my own curiosity and I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. go. No, and that, that would be that, horrible. That idea, not even that idea that ingrained fucking privilege, that ingrained entitlement where 
I'm so comfortable with my space that I don't even well, no, think I mean, about. Yeah. Well, no, it just is sort of like it. It's just such a clear cut, like, you know, sort of like. I mean, that kind of a situation with like a grown woman, it's just like it does illustrate privilege to me in the sense that it's like, look at me. I'm trying to get to know, you know, I'm trying to make an effort to like, um, you know, learn more about you people. You know what I mean? Like where it's like we're the normal ones and you're, you know, and we're going to try to get to know more about you people. It's like, that's the way that comes across, you know, whereas like you couldn't, you know, because like, you don't ask, you don't say anything, and you just it's just weird. Assume. <laughs> it's, it's fucking just disgusting. But it's like for by then, like thinking of myself as a child yeah. doing it, like yeah, so, 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 just secretly, gingerly, like you know, I don't know. It's just a weird memory. But that was not my point. <laughs> I started on that story, and I don't know how I got there. It's great because, I mean, again, (laughs) it's just a weird thing because it's like you think, you know, uh, there are people that live in these like rural areas where they never have maybe even seen a black person or a Muslim person or a Jewish person. And dude, I had a fucked up thing happen. I was doing a movie in Louisiana, (laughs) like I was doing a movie and (laughs) I could have just said I was in Louisiana, but I was living in a hotel is the point. No, that's, yeah. And it was a creepy-ass hotel, in my opinion, because it was like a big hotel. What was the hotel? The Hyatt. Okay. Right behind the Superdome. Okay. It's creepy because it's so big, and they make the rooms, like, to where it's like, it's almost like a Vegas kind of thing where, like, you have to travel miles to get to your room. Like the shining. And then they have like a mezzanine floor um, that has everything you could ever need on it. Like they don't want you to leave the hotel because they want you to spend money there. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I so one evening I was going a little stir crazy in my weird room. There was also a TV on the wall that was on the side wall. Like next to the bed where you literally could not see this TV from anywhere in the room. (laughs) It was just the weirdest place. It's like a luxury hotel, but it was, I don't know, that place is crazy. So there was a World War II convention going on in the hotel, which is a weird thing. People who are World War II buffs, Hmm. which I don't quite understand. And it was... Yeah, it was a bunch of Middle East, Middle Eastern, Midwestern, Midwestern white people, men, yeah. all men, yeah, who are, I guess, just really into World War II. Okay. And this was like, this is a couple of years ago. So this is, you know, before like I realized, you know, because uh, this is going to lead into like what I've experienced the last year. Yeah. So I went down to the bar and I just, I thought I'd go down to the bar and have a drink. So I went down to the bar and I ordered a drink and I'm sitting there and this guy sits next to me and starts talking to me and he's at, he's a guy from this like World War II and I'm like, okay, that's like interesting. What are you doing? And we just like talk about 
trade memorabilia and um oh god uh you know whatever and i was just like you know talking to him and uh and uh and and at some point i just go like um you know, he's like, oh, so are you from here or whatever, blah, you know, where are you from kind of a thing. And I was like, oh, I live in Los Angeles, but I'm I'm actually from New Hampshire. I'm a country Jew. You know, I like threw that out. And he goes, he goes, you know, I find it very interesting. He goes, um, the Jewish people, they they seem to be very proud, very proud of being Jewish. And I was like, um, I'm sorry, what, like what? I don't really know what you mean by that. He goes, well, you know, they kind of announce it like you just announced it to me. Like you told me you were Jewish. And I was like, um, I was flustered because mm-hmm. I thought this is the first time I've been sort of like confronted with because I do do that. And this is the first thing I was confronted with, like, well, why do I do that? Because it certainly is not pride. <laughs> and then I sort of thought for a moment and I was like, okay. It didn't take long for me to <laughs> for figure it out. I was like, I think Jewish people kind of with a sense of self-effacing sense of humor mm-hmm. will let you know they're Jewish when they're sitting at a bar talking to you. World War II buff. <laughs> uh, because they just kind of know that and I didn't, you know, and I only knew sort of by vague gleaning. I didn't really know yet. They kind of know that, like, most of the world hates Jews. Mm. And we just kind of want to let you know that if you're about to, like, lay some anti-Semitic joke out, I'm not your audience for that. Mm. I don't want to hear it. Let's just... Let me just let you know right now that, like, if you have some kind of, like, a Jew joke coming down the pike or some kind of a comment about the Jews, you can put a pin in that (laughs) because I'm not your girl. Yeah. And that's why. Because we know that most people were kind of aware of the fact that for whatever reason... People hate the Jews. So we just want to kind of let you know, you know, if if you're going to, if that conversation's going to go in that direction, let's not have that happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I had never really realized that that was why I do it, but it's absolutely why I do it. Yeah. And that, that brings me to, you know, this, this election where, you know, once... Once Trump became the nominee, my entire experience online changed. I know, I know. I started to get flooded with, just for nothing, for just for being, for having a Jewish last name, for being pro-Hillary, anti-Trump, um, pro-human, whatever, yeah. flooded with... And I'm going to say alt-right only one time because they're white supremacists. They're They're Nazis. Nazis. Flooded with just people calling me a kike. Trump's going to put you in death camps. My face photoshopped into death camp photos. Pictured all those old stupid caricatures of Jews from Nazi Germany with, you know, like 
you know, hands tied behind the back and being shot through the head. Mm -hmm. Pictures of my face in a gas chamber and Trump's face, you know, in the, like, Nazi uniform pulling the the lever. Um, Nonstop. Hundreds, tons. And and I started exploring. I started engaging with these people because I literally went to Google and I looked up why do people hate the Jews? Cause I don't, I didn't know. And I, I couldn't really get very satisfactory of an answer. And so I started kind of engaging just to, and looking at these accounts and trying to figure out like what their angle is and really like what it comes down to is they like honestly I mean and also I still don't know who George Soros is I swear to God, I have no idea who George Soros is I mean he's a guy yeah okay anyway um they think that they think they believe that the Jews are like colluding to force diversity onto America and the whole world um and we're we're forcing um race mixing in order to cause um white genocide we're just like gonna exterminate the white race by uh promoting diversity forcing diversity you know, like, all oh, this stuff, we don't really believe it. We don't care. We're just, like, out for ourselves. We're keeping ourselves pure and separate and and um, just, like, have this master plan to force miscegenation, which is a word I learned. And we're doing it with mind control. Ain't that some shit? What? If, all this time, I didn't know that I... <laughs> could control people with my mind yeah i mean a, and i've been using it to make well you know what they people say people race mix well thoughts are things <laughs> they are everything is energy um however then that means that you guys are very very powerful <laughs> but it's also you guys like you know who's you guys yeah I'm just yeah. some girl that barely leaves her apartment. I yeah. grew up in New Hampshire. I am not religious. I wasn't bar mit, bat mitzvah. I, I don't. My parents are both atheists. Like I was raised. The religion that we were raised with were like the parts of Judaism that are about like um, just doing what you can for other people, taking yeah. care of your family, yeah. um, always learning, you know, the basic simple things and just like yes. that you, that you do know what right from wrong is and you're going to do it. Yeah. It's the, to see that there are the, so many people that think of me as part of some sort of, like, you know, they keep bringing up, it, oh, Israel. Oh, you want diversity for everyone but not Israel. I'm like, first of all, I don't give a shit about Israel. Like, I don't I don't know a lot about Israeli politics. And I don't think that, I really don't think that God gave anybody any land. I don't know what the fuck's going on over there. I know that there's a lot of horrible shit and it's a mess. I've always, you know, like, 
my family, my sister and her five kids and husband live in Israel. I go there a lot now just to see them, but I still don't really know yeah. about, I know that they're like super left wing liberals in Israel and they hate Netanyahu and think that he's like a super racist. So it's like, it's no different in America. And not to mention like their whole thing is like, oh, you don't want, you want diversity here, but not there. They've never been to Israel. First of all, my sister adopted two sons from Ethiopia. So she has, her family is mixed (laughs) and, you know, she cares very much about her sons marrying Jewish girls. So, you know, there's some race mixing that's going to go on. I mean, who knows? They might marry black girls, black Jewish girls. There's lots of them in Israel, which is my point. If you look at the demographics, Israel is more racially and ethnically diverse than America, percentage-wise, by so, far. So your sister doesn't care who they marry? She wants them to marry Jewish. Okay. okay. <laughs> she does. Okay. I don't understand it. Yeah. But that's her thing. She's yeah. a rabbi. For sure. For sure. It's for her. It's about community. She believes in, you know, I can't even say for sure my sister believes in God. Yeah. That's the least of it. Yeah. It's the philosophy. It's the traditions, the culture. The um, She she draws out the the part she 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 likes to draw out the parts of judaism that are about caring for the other you know caring for the stranger among us and you know like she's very much about pointing out the hypocrisy of like you know you're not gonna we're not gonna take in refugees but we're gonna worry about like if somebody pulls a toilet paper roll on the sabbath you know like the she she's all about that you know yeah she kind of saw it as a way to bring together um, counseling, education, um, politics, activism, and yeah. community. So yeah. it works for her. And that's and and I mean, I I grew up Roman Catholic. Um, I was I was adopted into um, an Italian Catholic family. That's why I read that you were adopted. Yeah, and. You know, I, the easiest way to describe my experience growing up was just spiritual PTSD. And I knew that I liked girls from the time I was like six or seven. You know, like I I really clearly knew. And then being told that I was going to go to hell. Oh, God, I can't imagine because of that and I I had always had this desire and yearning to know God spirit universe Mm -hmm. goddess whatever you want to call it yeah sure and that true desire to go home whatever that means Mm -hmm. to be able to gain access to that love Mm -hmm. Um, because I didn't have it and Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay, because again, right, like we were talking about before we started, I got to have years and years and years of experience in terms of what not loving looked like and what not loving felt like Mm -hmm. to then be able to truly recognize it and feel it and be in the ecstasy of it when it did appear. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I 
remember, you know, I, my dad was a raging alcoholic. Oh, God. Um, and like, God love him. He like, like, it'll be in April, it'll be a year since he's passed away. Um, so, but I remember that he would just yell and, and scream and it would be very, very scary. And I would continually say like the, our father or the like Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. I just remember I'd be like, Hail Mary, pull of Christ and Lord's with thee. But and I would just do it on repeat. Hoping that like God, spirit, universe, whatever right. would would hear it and make it stop. Yeah. And when it didn't stop and it continued. Yeah. The the seed that had been originally planted that I was not a good girl. Right. Just continued to grow. Oh, right. And so... Because you're taught that if you're good, that you'll get the things you ask yes, for, which is just exactly. not... exactly Right. Yeah. It's not the way it works. Yeah. Even if there is a God, because, you know, and I want to hear more of your story, but just to interject, like, I don't... I would, I would say if you asked me if I believe in God, I would just say no, mm-hmm. but I... I I pray mm-hmm. to God and I've had many moments in my life when I have really prayed hard and connected to God and had very life-changing experiences and moments because God is something that exists as prayer God the concept a god concept is is a tool and it's a tool that works yeah it doesn't have to be real because the whole purpose of it is faith in it um so you know i you know I kind of like have come around to this idea that like you know if you ask me if i believe in god i'll say I don't, and I think that God is cool with that. Yeah. And that's my final answer. Yeah. So whatever you want to make of that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, you know, I, for me, I've had too many spiritual experiences. Um to deny that a there's so much that I don't know oh, and yeah. and I feel as though you know my journey and I'm I'm just I'm 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 just now getting to like the the rooted roots because I did walk around with that idea that um God was an old white man in the sky that was a Republican <laughs> that said yes. Oh God, God no, help us. And maybe, <laughs> you know, and that, and that for me it was, I had to be really, 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 really good. I had to meet all of these conditions right. before I was able to gain access to God's unconditional love. Right. And so... When I would look at my life 
and see the but like let's go what you just said because yeah. unconditional and means unconditional means unconditional so it's kind of a mind fuck right there yeah well it's <laughs> but with that too it's like it's a test right so then you throw you throw jesus into the mix right right um oh well, does wouldn't it be the best thing that could happen for jesus to come back right now i mean for fuck's sakes oh i mean here's the thing he wouldn't be allowed into this country first and foremost no but i mean he would be straightening some people's shit out so hard but you know but that's but and but here's the thing that's so fucked up right um because i i am fascinated by the world's religions i am fascinated by um pure people's spiritual journeys and the evolution Mm -hmm. of us of who we are as as beings and you know they talk about like in the new testament and like the book of revelation and they talk about like the mark of the beast and like 666 and and how like the antichrist is going to come and he's going to be charming and affable and blah 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 blah. and it makes me think like fucking if jesus came back they would probably label him the Antichrist. Well, that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like I think if Jesus actually did come back, because um, I've, I've actually been really thinking about this a lot, I think what would happen would be it would be the end of Christianity. It would be just the way the way that Christianity began is the way that it would end. Yeah. He would be rejected. Yes. And uh, because I think that we we have seen that these people do not have like a tremendous sense of loyalty. (laughs) No. And it's when when you get to use when you hide behind your Bible. I mean, in all all fairness, I have to stop right now and say that there are a lot of there are a lot like. I actually have to like take it back. There are yeah. so many people. I know so many people who mm-hmm. are Christian. I have friend, my boyfriend's Christian. My yeah. best friend Mandy is Christian. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot. I have a friend, a Jordanian friend yeah. who lives in Jordan who's Christian. Yeah. There are so many Christians who are great people who yes. are not racist and uh, anti Semitic and, and homophobic. Uh, xenophobic. So yeah. I take it back. Um, I'm that is actually like pretty kind of like uh, I don't know ethnocentric thing to say that this small group of awful people are gonna be the end of Christianity. So I kind of take that back. But yeah, there would be there these people these people who in the name of because a lot of these people that like came at me with all this like really harsh anti-Semitic awful vile stuff also like you know. I mean, if you look at their timelines, it's like I would feel sickened. I would feel most sickened by what they were saying about other groups of people than what they were saying about me. Mm. I think that's maybe natural. I don't know if it's natural, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just like the dehumanizing of just everybody, you know, black people, Muslims, like the way that they talk about these people, it would just it would make me literally physically sick. I mean, I, I really went through a bad time just seeing that this was like all these people existed and the way that they talked and, um, 
but uh yeah that that group of people they're they're like they call themselves christians so i think like yeah that group of people would definitely turn their backs yeah and and the truth is is that i mean people people use the bible all the time you know and politicians and and meanwhile you know when jesus said like the greatest commandment i give unto you is love one another yeah like love one another and also probably my favorite my favorite thing that jesus had ever said is don't ye know that ye are gods right like the kingdom of heaven is within right and for me you know absolutely there are those there are those he disappears from age 13 until he comes back at i think 31 oh um and there are all of these there are all of these writings i mean it's so it's so fucking interesting and it's so fascinating i mean constantine who is such a fuck um and and all of the editizations of the bible yeah. you know taking out things that dealt with reincarnation taking out um the gospel of thomas the gospel of mary magdalene um you know to suit and mold and sure. shape the patriarchy because here's the here's the truth ruth like before there was the god there was the goddess right like and if you think of the father son holy spirit you also then have um the maiden mother and crone the what the maiden the mother and the crone um life death life right it's 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 all allegorical like jesus's story just you know I don't want to say from a stable, from a fable standpoint, but just from a storyteller standpoint mm-hmm. is the, is a story that has been told so many times before. Right. Like so many, so many times yeah. before it literally, he is born, he dies and he comes back. Right. It's, it, it's been told again and again and again and again. And I feel as that people, are you afraid to die? Are you yeah. afraid of death? Uh, I think like less and less. Like, <laughs> it's actually kind of like an odd th- th- phenomenon. I have to say, like of like the last several months, is that my fear of death has actually diminished because when you're confronted with like you're blasted with that like sort of people telling you like you know this you're gonna get gassed you're gonna be put to death and stuff like that it's pretty jarring and then you kind of laugh at it and then you kind of go these people are wackos and then you're like oh no one of them's in the white house and he's basically the president president (laughs) bannon and you know and you know i haven't my neighbor across the hall from me is an older guy he you know fought in vietnam he's jewish and uh um he was telling me all along, you know, this could really happen. Trump's getting elected. This could really happen. And I was like, you're crazy. You're yeah. out of your mind. Yeah. I was like, listen, I'm following this really closely. It is going to be the biggest blowout in 
American history, you know, and he's like, I'm telling you, and he's, he's a history buff, and he knows all about, like, Nazi Germany, he actually is, like, a, kind of a German, Germanophile, I don't know why you call it, he visits, his friends there, he visits Germany frequently, um, and, uh, he, he saw it coming, I did not, um, what was the thing oh yeah death and um and so yeah then it was like wow this is really kind of fucking getting kind of scary and then he got elected and it was like oh my god and then you know and then we started like kind of the resistance and we were you know getting called snowflakes which is like such a joke (laughs) you know and what it really like made me realize about myself is like you know the and you see, like, so many people, you see mostly women, really, who are willing to stand up and lose their jobs, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. risk whatever is going to happen yeah. to them, being in prison, d- killed, whatever, because we don't know. We yeah. don't know how far this can go. We really don't. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't take anything for granted anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't think it's alarmist to say that because uh, Trump was elected on November 8th, so... Yeah. You know, everything's changed for me in my brain in that yeah. way. Like, where I never say, like, oh, that will never happen. Yeah. Um, so, like, all of a sudden, I just, something clicked with me where I was like, you know what? I'll fucking die for this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll fucking die. I don't want to die. But, you know, I, uh, what, there, People, people, people did stand up for the Jews in Nazi Germany and put themselves at great risk. Um, it's funny, like I, you know, I have some, you know, I have stomach problems here and there. It's not really terrible, but um, I've had more than one doctor when I've just been at the doctor, and you know, you go through your things or whatever. You say, you know. Uh, I've had more than one doctor, Jewish doctor, say, like, oh, yeah, Jewy stomach problems. And they go, yeah, I have those, too, Jewy stomach. They call, I've had doctors say Jewy stomach problems. I've had other people say that, oh, yeah, I just have the Jew, I'm, yeah, I have good health, I just have the Jewy stomach problems. And I was like, okay, that sounds kind of annoying. It's just, like, sort of like the stereotype that Jews are neurotic. But since all this has happened, um... I found myself saying it. I said it's my boyfriend, like, you know, like suddenly like doubling over cramps and pain or something like that. And he's like, what's the matter? And he's always like, you know, like, are you okay? Like, should we go to the doctor? Like, what should we do? And I'm like, it's just my Jewy stomach problems. And he's like, that's not a thing. And I was like, you know what? It is. And and he's like, but why? And I said, well, listen, here's my best guess. When you're from... Basically, from the day you're born, from the time that you're able to understand information, you know, even though you live in America and you feel very safe, you know that you're Jewish and you don't, you may not, you're not practicing, you don't live around other Jews, but you just know we're Jewish. And you also know that there is a place in the world where not that long ago, where there are people that are alive still that aren't that even that old, that lived through it, where just because you were Jewish, the police, the government 
came and got you, the people that were supposed to protect you, there was nowhere to run and nowhere to hide, the police came and got you, even if you were a small child, and they took you and they killed you. Yeah. And you know about it. And he said, but he said, yeah, but you knew that it was over. And I mm. said, I, yeah, but I didn't live in fear of it, but I knew it could happen. I knew it had happened and it get it's, and not only does it get in your, bo- just get in your cells, yeah. but it was in my parents' cells. Yes. It was in their DNA. Yes. It was in their parents' DNA who came from Poland and Russia. Yes. It's in the DNA. Yes. And it takes a long time for it to leave. In the same way that I read something once that was very profound to me and that makes me very frustrated when people go like, oh, like slavery is over or whatever. We had a black president, like racism's yeah, over. No. Or, you know, like, you know, talk about like, you know, Colin Kaepernick, like he's in a protest, he's making money. Like, what's he used to have to worry about? People don't understand like, Oppression, persecution, these things, these things get in your fucking DNA and it takes a lot. It takes time to get out and it doesn't matter. It's not a failure on your part to thrive. You like I read something that that really profoundly affected me, which is that the infant mortality rate remains high for black women even like two generations into like if they're like upper middle class to very wealthy because it's because it's in the dna the oppression the torture the the low expectations the um It's it's real. Yeah. It's not just something you can just go, oh, that's not happening anymore, so get over it. You it's know, so fucking real. I'll tell and you. we all together have to know that so that we can compensate. We do have to compensate. It's entirely fair. There's, I, I mean... Th- what you just spoke of makes me makes me think of so much. A, have you read about um, ancestral trauma? Of what ancestral trauma? Ancestral trauma. I I, I don't <clears throat> exactly know, but I have to I have to pee. Okay. I know you're not editing. Well, wait. Hold on one second. Let me pause this. Mm. Okay. We are back post bathroom break. Um. So no, what I was what I was saying to you was um, there's this there's all of this research that had been done about ancestral trauma, especially with um, you know the the African American community, mm-hmm. and also with the Jewish community after the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and that it, as you said, affects not just the victims of the Holocaust, but their children and their children's children and Mm -hmm. their children's children's Mm -hmm. children. And 
that is it is not psychological the the dna has mm-hmm. actually been changed mm-hmm. and you know i i feel that there's so much opportunity for growth and there's there's so much missed opportunity in terms of um in terms of you know allowing space for healing you know, I, I think that there's so much more going on than meets the eye. You know, I look at just individual families and they talk about like breaking the cycle and, and breaking the chains and doing something different and blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the day, and this is just for me in a very microcosmic sense, you know, And I talk about this a lot, that the greatest desire that all human beings have is to truly be seen. Yes. And on the flip side of that, the greatest fear anybody has is truly being seen. Because then what will they actually really see? And the the fear underneath that is they are going to see that I'm actually that that the thing that I fear is most true about myself is actually going to be true, which is that I am not worthy to receive any kind of love. Right. I am, I'm not worthy to be here. Mm -hmm. And, and most people then, you know, can just run away. They, they won't go to that origin. They have no, they have desire to be healed, but they don't have desire to work through the pain to get to the other side. Sure. You know, um, because it takes courage. It takes courage. And it also is like in, you know, reality for most people, that kind of process and self-examination is, is also a luxury. You know, people don't have the luxury of breaking down. People don't have the luxury of being vulnerable. They have to keep it together. They have to keep their family together. They have to put food on the table. They have to deal with what's coming at them in the world and be strong and put up a a front. It's, you know, it's, um, you know, how do you, how do you then, you know, like be like, I'm going to really, you know, that, that's, um, you know, there be a lot of people. a lot of people in this country that if you're like, oh, you just really need to like, you know, believe in yourself and and that's or, not. Or, in- I don't know, believe in yourself, but like, you know, it's how do you how do you get there when there's no infrastructure supporting it? Absolutely, and that's the problem. Yeah, like if I were super rich, yeah. The, the thing that the thing that bothers me the most about America is our education, public education system is disgraceful. It's segregated. Mm-hmm. Integration did not happen. Everyone wants to pretend it happened. It didn't happen. Yeah. We have black schools and we have white schools in many parts of the country. And we have, you know, in neighboring towns and cities, we ha- will have a school that's all black that is 
uh, has failed to meet the standards and is on probation and technically is not qualified to be operating as a school. So technically those kids are not being given the education that's guaranteed to them by the Constitution, but nobody's being held accountable or doing anything about it. And if they try to do something and shut that school down and send those kids to a proper school, which is one town over, which is a white school, the people of that town will refuse to let it happen. There's a great This American Life. Yeah. It's called The Problem We All Have or something like that. It's a two-parter. It kind of like changed me listening to it. I wish everyone, I feel like everyone who's in public office should be required to listen to it because you hear these people talk and say all the data shows that integrated when schools are integrated everybody does better but white people refuse to accept that they don't want it and uh and there is just such a disconnect between like what the problems are and how we fix them because nobody wants to do it at some point we have to fucking do it but just the fact that there are children in this country that are not being given the education that they are guaranteed by law yeah. is a disgrace. And it goes on and on and on and it doesn't stop. Yeah, We, you know, the Supreme Court decided many years ago that separate is not equal. Yeah. It's still happening. And nobody will talk about it or do anything about it. Yeah. And it infuriates me and I don't know what to do, what I can do about it. And I don't understand why people who have a ton of money aren't just focused on making sure that schools are good because that should be number one. Yeah. Yeah. Every single kid should have a school that has, it's, it's like all these like racist people that I'm encountering on a daily basis now on the internet. When you say to them that there, there is, there's no equal, like, they're like, what is white privilege? It's not real, you know, like, well, first of all, it's about equal access to resources. Damn. There isn't, there needs to be equal access to resources, and there isn't. Well, I mean, it's... And they, they it's a concept that people just don't even grasp. Well, yeah, I mean, because here's the deal with white privilege, right? It's... I can't help the fact that I'm white. I can't. I can't. I was I was born white. Right. I can't change that fact. However, being aware of what my privilege affords me right. simply because of my skin color and then getting to educate other people about that this is what 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 white privilege is white privilege isn't um a slam against 
you know, your fucking lack of pigmentation. That's not what it's about. It's the fact um, of what that affords you simply because of your lack of pigmentation. And you have neighborhoods where they literally don't want black people to move into the neighborhood. That's a fucking problem. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely, absolutely fucking is. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, I know it's really frustrating. And it's really it's distressing because you just get to this point where you're like, but what can I do about it? Uh, and that's the thing. I feel like there's like there's many, many things. I know this. I know this. That I I'm aware of what I do. I'm aware of who I am and I'm aware of the best opportunities that I have to be of service in this world. For some people, it is running for office. For other people, it is writing articles. For some people, it's doing podcasts. For other people, it's writing scripts and TV shows. You know, um, there are, are so many different ways in which we get to help create change, even if, even if, and for me, it's one of the most important. The identification and the connection of the feeling and that, oh, I feel less alone. Mm -hmm. I feel less alone, which then inspires me you know, to not only live one more day, but to grow a little, grow past my comfort zone to, well, what can I do? Be open to like an inspired idea, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever the fuck it is. I just know that I had to get over the idea that it was up to me to change the world. Because there are so many different things, whether it's LGBT children committing suicide because of bullying, whether it is fucking systemic fucking racism. You know, I know in those moments that when I encounter racism, when I encounter xenophobia, right. homophobia, and I hate that it's like I understand why it's called a phobia, like because I really do believe that we are driven by two primary energies, the energy of fear, the energy of love. There's no in between. It's one or the other. Um, but I call shit out when I see it. Mm-hmm. I go up to people and actively engage and I am willing to be inconvenienced again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to be uncomfortable right. and I'm willing to be unpopular. I do not give a fuck. Right. I don't give a fuck if I never work a fucking day again in my right. life. I don't care. That's another thing that's been said to me a lot. They're like, oh, you're not, you know, like, why are you hiding behind a fake avatar or whatever? You know, like, you're just taking fake name. They're like, well, I'm not like you. Like, I'll, you know, I'll be fired from my job for saying what I believe. And it's like, well, A, like, first of all, I don't know if I it's affecting my career to say the things that I'm saying. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't think about it when I yeah. say what I say. Chances are probably not, but maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But also, 
if if you really you know like there comes a point where you have to you have to st- openly stand up for what you believe in and you know it the things that you're saying are you have to know on some level that the shit that you're saying is bad if you're hiding if not if you really believe it then come out in the open and take a stand and and you know like people are these people when it comes to other people when it comes to people of color when it comes to women you know like oh she's a slut she deserves what she gets or you know like she shouldn't have fooled around and gotten pregnant you know she can't just have an abortion they're all about consequences when it's other people Mm -hmm. but when it comes to them Mm -hmm. oh well i can't just speak my mind because i'll lose my job because of you liberals you know take it Uh. take how about consequences? Take the consequences for standing up for what you yeah, believe in because everybody else who can't hide, they're they're getting the consequences. Yeah, and with that too, though, there's... Um, I... I have no fear of death anymore. Oh, wow, yeah. I have no fear of death. Because I've already died. Like, the old ideas, all of that shit, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, it's, something always is dying within me so that something else might live. Mm-hmm. Right? And I have no fear anymore. It doesn't mean that, um... I want to leave because I don't. Mm-hmm. It's like the first time I've actually really, truly committed to living, committed to life fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that too, though, it's I know in my gut and in my heart and in my soul, in the very depth of my being, that as long as I am continually open and honest and authentic and coming from a place of love. And I don't mean hippie to be bullshit, fucking kumbaya Mm -hmm. motherfucker love. I mean that fierce love, that love that is passionate, that love that stands for something. Guys, Nenea, go back to your own bones. There's a little doggy drama (laughs) that I just stopped before it started. Um, but that passionate love where it's, yes, I'm, I'm willing to die for this. Yeah. Not only am I willing to die for this, I'm willing to be unpopular. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that I think is like one of the great benefits (laughs) cut to now, like 21 years later where I had been fighting against that idea of being like an ugly girl because of dollhouse and that, that that desperate feeling of wanting to be part of the mainstay of Hollywood and being accepted Mm -hmm. and, and being seen. I wanted to be seen by my peers in that way. Yeah. And what I get to witness and what I get to recognize now Mm -hmm. is that I, I had a desperation and a need to be seen because I didn't think it was true. Like I didn't, 
I didn't feel worthy of belonging there because mm-hmm. I didn't feel worthy of my life. I didn't feel worthy of being. Mm-hmm. And now, not only do I feel fucking worthy of being, it's allowed me to stop giving a fuck. Yeah, not giving a fuck is the best thing ever. <laughs> like, that's it. It's so good. Like, I don't fucking care. Um, okay, I'm looking at I'm looking at the time. And seeing that we need to wrap up, but okay. I want to ask you the most important question. Okay. Well, not the most important question, but it. it's a question that I ask at the end of every episode. Okay. At what point were, can you remember a point in your life yeah. where somebody told you, shut up and listen, and you actually did, and you learned something? Ooh. Hmm. Wow. Uh, yes. I'm going to go with the first thing that comes to mind, and it was a very, very delayed reaction. Mm. Does that count? Yeah, of course. It was like a year's delayed reaction. All right. I was severely depressed. Uh mid 20s and I just felt like my life was over because I hadn't accomplished anything and I had such expectations for myself that I really never even expressed to people they were just inside me and um I was so overwhelmed by my own expectations for myself that I was very paralyzed and Um, I always wanted to be a writer, and I wrote all the time, but I never showed anybody anything, and I never really finished anything, or, um, and I got into such a bad place that I was actually hospitalized for a short period of time Mm. by my parents, and, um, at age 23. For four, 24, 25. And um, this, I saw a, th- a therapist. It was, it was not a great place because I had a therapist, but I think I saw her maybe twice. <laughs> and it was, it would be in her office and, and she, she chain smoked cigarettes the whole time in her little office with the door shut. <laughs> this is how long ago that was. And, uh, I was very angry and I was just so convinced that it was just done. It was over. There was just, and, uh, you know, and, and I told her, you know, I'm, I'm a writer and, and, and I just, um, and I need to be the best, the best writer. And, and I just can't do it. You know, like I'm paralyzed. I can't do it. I'm paralyzed with fear. I'm paralyzed with, um, you know, I had written something in school and showed a teacher who himself was had kind of like a failed writer and he criticized it and told me it was no good. And I, I didn't write another word for maybe two or three years mm. after that. And, mm. you know, I, I uh, I said this to her and, um, you know, I was being very kind of defiant and probably very melodramatic, you know, because I was 25. 
And she said, what if you're just a good writer? What if you're just an adequate writer? What if you're just good enough? Mm. And I was just like, no, Mm. absolutely not. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then years later, I still heard it. I heard it. And I started to write. Mm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, like. I'm not ever going to be the best writer. I'm going to be the writer that I am. And whatever that is, I'm writing because I'm a writer and because I love to write and because it's who I am. And that's just what it is. And maybe I will just be good enough. Maybe I, you know... that's you know like that idea that i had to be the best yeah was so paralyzing to me and came from just uh from me yeah and i was i just remember how furious i was with this woman and how unwilling i was to hear that and how how i just felt like how can she even say this to me you know yeah to me yeah yeah you know yeah wow and then yeah and then and then and then years some years later i heard it and i was like and it set me free i was like oh yeah yeah like what if i'm just good enough Mm. that's all right there's a lot of people in this world there are a lot of people you know and and some people read what they write and think this is the best thing I've ever read. And some people read it and think this is a piece of garbage. Yeah. Well, you know, it's yeah. just, it, it is what it is. I can only write what I write and yeah. I, and I'm a writer. So yeah, it, it, it definitely changed me, but it took a while, oh but uh, I'll never forget that it just because when, when she said it, I, I don't think I've ever been more angry. Hmm. But, I really heard it somewhere inside. Yeah, exactly when you were (laughs) meant to hear it. Mm -hmm. Wow. My God. I'm I'm so grateful that we got to end on that note. That that was so beautiful. Thank oh, you good. for sharing. Wow. That. Okay. Um, <laughs> like that is exactly what I needed to hear. I got to shut up and listen. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, you are more than welcome back anytime. Awesome. This was really fun. Um, and yeah, and again, thank you guys for tuning in. Laura Silverman, fucking just brilliant writer actor (laughs) just all around being thank you